Hello and welcome to the Split Real Podcast. I'm Steve Packnick and joining me as always, he's back from his trip from the Suez Canal, blocking off all the ships. It's Gabe Acevedo. Hey, I was blocking the trade. Down with capitalism. Anti-capitalist you. I knew that it was you. You were the one on the ever, what is it? The ever given? Is that what it's called? The, the ever, ever given. Ever given? Is that it? I have no, yeah, it was me. I knocked it out of its course. Yeah, good for you. We have to. It's so ridiculous that a ship blocking a canal for five days is disrupting the entire world. Well, it makes sense. It's actually kind of funny because I taught this in my class. I teach this in part of my uh, my global studies class that I teach. And I talk about choke points and how one thing can go wrong. And then all of a sudden, the world economy stops. So now I get to teach this exact event for the next, like, <laughs> you know, the next 20 years. I get to teach this. So good times. There's like for everybody 300 ships awaiting, like, passage through it and i'm like apparently oil prices are gonna go up clothes is gonna go up food is gonna go up i'm like it was a ship for four days blocking the the, the damn canal that's when you know this world is disrupted and does not work (laughs) yeah the world economy is quite complicated and and touching here this is why people log on to our to listen to our podcast right this is why you logged on to this play real podcast to hear two guys talk about a ship stuck in the middle of egypt you know capitalism and the economy (laughs) welcome again <laughs> so uh what's been going on with you man how you doing i'm good um it's hot in arizona we are probably not going under 85 until maybe october so the desert heat is here no we're good a lot of work um surviving the apocalypse um and that's it how about you no it's good i'm excited the uh the theaters are opening up around here i mean i've i've been uh pretty excited and looking forward to this for quite some time the theaters in state college where i where i live is actually are actually finally opening up again for the first time in like six months now they were open for a little while back in like the fall but they they closed again so i'm really excited because this week we're going to see um riot and the last dragon we're going to see that in a matinee like an early early show so that hopefully nobody is there and then this weekend we we do have tickets already to go see godzilla versus kong so you gotta go see the biggest creatures on the screen on the biggest screen you can find and we did that we we went we're going to the the amc with the big d which is like the massive massive screens there so we're going to see that this weekend um luckily i've been you know i've been vaccinated already you know you i know you have uh kayla got her first shot so we're, we're just going to keep it safe and try to keep distant, but, you know, get out there and getting back to some sort of normalcy normalcy that we have. I mean, we're vaccinated as long as you wear masks. People, if you're listening to this, just because you're vaccinated does not mean that you shouldn't wear masks. Please. We're seeing a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Let's not screw this up. Yeah, come let's on. not screw it up, please. Please. Like, come on. Do your part. Do your part. Yeah. And I'm I'm with you. I, I have tickets to Godzilla versus Kong, and I'm really excited because if um if, if that if you're gonna see a movie in the theaters, that's the movie you should see in theaters. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm excited for it. So that'll be really exciting. But uh what have you been watching lately? I, I know there's been like a, a kind of lull from not going to the theaters, but what have you seen lately? I know we've been trying to catch up on some films, but what's something you've seen lately that you're interested in? So something that I saw um, over the weekend um, was a Netflix, a movie that you can find on Netflix. It's called My Octopus Teacher. Um, it's a documentary. Um, you know me. You know I'm not a huge documentary fan. It's not that I don't like them. I just feel like they have to be really, really great for me to enjoy them because um, I get really, yeah. I get bored really easy with documentaries. Um, but I saw it because I always have 
a goal to watch, um, if I can, if I can find them, find them, all the movies nominated in the Oscars. And this is nominated for a documentary, so it's on Netflix, so I watch it. It is beautiful. It is amazing. I loved it. I really fell in love with it. Um, it's this just nature documentary about this guy that goes in the course of a year through um, to a reef and where he basically meets an octopus and he goes during a year and creates this relationship with the octopus and shows us that um, in this case, the octopus, you know, has memory and has a communal relationship with cool. things around him. Um, it's a beautiful movie. There are a couple of scenes with sharks that I was like, oh my God, I, it felt very <laughs> Jaws. And I was on the edge of my seat. I'm like, please let him not be attacked by the sharks. Um, but if you're someone who loves um, cinematography as well as a beautiful, I was telling you earlier before we started recording that reminded me of Free Solo, uh, which I know you're a huge fan of. Um, in Love the sense that of the, the visuals and the cinematography and the danger aspect of it. Um, but it's beautiful, and it, and and the guy shows us how he used the relationship with the octopus to strengthen his relationship with his son as well. So it's mm. an, an interesting take. It's the heartwarming documentary of the year. Um, granted, it's the only one I've seen so far out of the five, uh, <laughs> but it's really good, and it's on Netflix. So if you have a chance, go watch it. Definitely recommend it. So for somebody who doesn't love documentaries and fell in love with this one, it's definitely a must. It's funny because I, I, I watch a ton of documentaries, but I haven't seen that. Like I watch a lot, but I watch also a lot of really bad documentaries, ones that like I'm just interested in. Like I watched a documentary the other day on Jack the Ripper, which was just interesting. <laughs> it's not a very well done documentary. It was very thorough, but it wasn't like exciting. I mean, except for the fact that it is all about Jack the Ripper, which is kind of fascinating to me. So <laughs> I didn't watch that, but you know, beyond that, I did watch, uh, I watched this weekend. Uh, I finally got around to watching another round which is the mm. danish film the danish film that's on it's on hulu right now actually i was gonna you you did have to pay for it a couple weeks ago but now it's on hulu and it's well worth reading subtitles this is the film that is nominated for best foreign language film and it's probably the front runner for best foreign language film this year including i mean especially since the director thomas finkerberg is nominated for best director which is very very rare and I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really, really well done film. The story is pretty unique. It's a bunch of teachers at a, at a school who are practicing the theory that people are born with a blood alcohol level that is too low. It should be at 0.05 should be what your blood alcohol level is at consistently. So they test this theory and they start just drinking in their everyday life and just trying to maintain a blood alcohol level of 0.05 all the time and just seeing the effects of it. And it's, it's good. It, it's interesting because it seems like it's going to be a comedy and it seems like it's going to be a drama and it's some, it, it threads the needle kind of really nicely between having really funny parts, but also being quite dramatic um, and not, it's not as dark as you think it could be. And that's something that I, I really enjoyed about the movie. Something that in watching this type of story, you know, a bunch of male teachers who are drinking all the time can have problems that come along with it. Certainly, you know, being being a teacher, you know, if I were if I were to come to class drunk or, you know, after consuming alcohol, there could be problems. I mean, I could just see all of the problems beyond what, you know, would actually be there. But it's it's interesting how it explores sort of the dynamics of it, especially in a in, in a European country in Denmark, because it, it the culture is very different as well. It's mm -hmm. a very cult, it's a very different culture. Um, granted, no culture I don't think really 
accept drinking as teachers. I don't think that's a real cultural thing that any culture really does. Can you imagine? But, no, yeah. <laughs> Showing drunk up to work, both of us, that'd be fun. No, no, it wouldn't be fun. Not at all. That would not be fun. I mean, I it, never, it could be fun. Never, it's going to have repercussions, nope, but it could be nope, fun. Nope, I would never, ever consider doing that at all. <laughs> just want to kibosh that right now. Never would I consider doing that ever. <laughs> But I, I enjoyed the film. I thought it was really good. I thought Mass Mickelson was, was fantastic in it. I thought he he put in a, a fantastic performance. And I don't know that there are many other actors out there who could do that type of a performance. I'm just thinking about American actors and in, in like if they made the American version of it. And I can't see what that would look like. And I don't know that I would have enjoyed that film, but I really did enjoy this film. I thought the another round would is it, definitely well worth it. I, I recommend it. I think it's something you should check out. I mean, I know I know you have to check. You haven't seen it yet, but you have to check it out. I mean, it's part of the it's part of the Oscar run, so you definitely got to check it out too. It's part of the Oscars, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm really excited to see because I'm a huge Matt Milkinson fan. Um, yeah. I think he's really underrated. Um, oh, for sure. I, really, I think he's really very underrated. Him. So I'm definitely checking that out for sure. And like you said, I think it's a front runner um, for international film. So it's yeah, a must. If you can't get over subtitles get over subtitles it's not that bad like they're subtitles just read them it's exactly can you believe i still know people that haven't watched parasite because they don't want to read subtitles parasite is oh my god just watch it just watch it's, it get, I, get over I, subtitles I, it's okay you, you forget you, that they're there after five minutes you forget trust just me an hour in it's worth it <laughs> oh my god it's so good. well it's worth this in the beginning but an hour in you know when that yeah. bell rings yeah. that's when ugh. yeah that it's it's worth it just watch movies with subtitles okay it'll change it'll open up your entire existence of film okay yes watch international films people one thing too last thing uh, before we get into uh everything else i just wanted to throw it out there so every weekend i'm trying to do like a classic film you know what movie i finally watched this weekend first time a very very classic classic 1942 1942 um Can you guess 42 casablanca yep finally saw casablanca for the first time this week yes good for you good guess there yes good. guess what guess what it's not overrated. It's a good movie. It's, it's a, a really yes, good movie. I'm happy that you think so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I watched it. I was like, is this going to be bad? I don't know. And I started watching it and I'm like, you know what? The hype is real. It's a good movie. Okay. So again, it's not bad. Like there's, there's a lot of classic movies out there that I'm like, eh, I don't care. I just don't care. Like that, someone... that, that brings joy. That brings me joy listening yeah. to you say that because <laughs> you and I, you, you know, you and I, I love that we compliment each other because you are the one that brings me down sometimes from the clouds. Yeah. Um, and you do know, I love classics and, and then you have me, then there's you, you're like, yeah, it's like, Vertical's great, but rear window's better. <laughs> yeah, like well, I mean, like, that's the thing. that's the other thing. Yeah, like you said, like I don't really like Vertigo. I don't think Vertigo's that good. I actually I think it's way, wicked overrated. But rear window is fantastic. I love rear. Uh, but no, yeah, Casablanca. Who who would have guessed? A great movie. You yeah. know, it's only ranked as one of the best movies of all time. So, it's, it's, and it's also ranked like the best love story ever put on film or whatever. And it's not it's not long. It's like one hour and forty five minutes. It's an hour forty five. It's to be fair. To be fair. It is a long hour 45. It's a long hour 45. That's the, that's the only thing. At one point, I stopped to go to the bathroom. I was like, wait, I'm only 45 minutes into this. It is a long hour 45. I mean, it is it's slow. Only hour it's slowish. I can see that. But I'm happy that you liked it and it, you say it's not overrated. Yes. It's, it's not. It's good. I, I, I Obviously, it's not a hot take to say that Casablanca is a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm happy that I guessed it. 1942, Casablanca. Yes. That's good. Good, good for you. Good job. See? I mean, good classics, job. 1942. I know that you're watching the classics, so. Gotta keep up with you. <laughs>
Yeah, it beats uh last week I last week I watched uh I think it was 1953 I watched a Danish film called The Seventh Seal. I've know, heard dive, of it, never seen it. Dive it in, dive it into some classics there. <laughs> so just trying just trying to get some more of those under my belt there. Anyway, uh we're not talking about classics today. Well, we kind of we are, but uh before we get into what we're really discussing today, which is you know the 20 year anniversary of Shrek. I mean, talk about classics here. This is an absolute classic. Before we get into our talk on uh, on Shrek, though, I want to just go over a little bit of the headlines that have come up this week. So we have a little short headline snapshot. Looking at uh, the first thing that I don't know if you noticed, but the first thing that came up this week, um, they they did announce, or maybe it was last week. I don't actually remember. This stuff all blurs together. But Black It changes Widow, every day, so I don't know. Yeah, Black Widow uh, has been pushed back to July 9th now. It was back in May, and then they pushed it to now July and not only is it being pushed to July, but it's also being pushed onto Disney Plus Premium Access. So what is that? Disney Plus Plus? Is that what it's called? <laughs> Disney Plus Plus Premium Plus? Disney Super, Stealing Our Money Plus? Super, Super Disney Plus Premium Access? Disney Sci- Super Saiyan? Saiyan? Dragon Ball? I don't know. Yeah, so that's so basically it's going there. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. The fact that now... Now, not only is it not going directly to theaters when we thought it was, you know, but now it's being pushed back to July, which is another. So now we're going to have a month after this current run of uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. When that ends, we're going to have a month of no content. It was going to be a, it was going to once that ended, it was going to go into Black Widow and then the run of Black Widow would take us to Loki. But now it's coming out actually in the middle of the run of Loki, which is coming out in June and it's going on Disney Plus. So what are your what are your thoughts on this? I'm so tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of all this. I'm done. This movie was supposed to come out March of last year. Mm. I'm tired. No, I think it's, I don't know. I'm not excited for it at this point. It's just been too long. Um, I also, I always had issues with Marvel releasing Black Widow so late into Marvel's run. Um, But that's another conversation. You know, I'm not a fan of the premium access. Um, Again, just for me, it's a waste of money because I'm one person, I'm single, I don't have any kids. So I can just literally go to a matinee or Tuesdays and pay $5 to see those movies instead of paying 30 um, on Disney Plus um, on top of the subscription that you have to have. Um, At at this point, it is what it is. You know, we'll get it when we get it. Um, I'll watch it. I'm definitely not paying $30. I'll probably just go around the corner because the movie theater is like a couple blocks away from here. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll see it cause it's Marvel, but if it comes out fine and if it never sees the light of day, I'm not going to fight either. My favorite thing about this is the fact that it, uh, Disney originally announced when Mulan came out and they had it on their premium access of $30. They're like, this is the only time we're doing this. And then since then we've had two more that have come out on premium access and we have the two, two upcoming movies. So we had, I think soul and or no sold was was free but we had raya and the last raya. dragon and i i don't remember i can't remember the name of the other i thought we did have another one between there but i might be mistaken with that but but we will be having cruella is going to come out on disney plus as well with premium access and now black widow but then they're like oh we don't know about after that but i'm if this is going to be successful i guarantee you it'll just keep happening this way it's just I don't know, and it, and it's weird because I don't I I really want to get into their heads and how they choose which movies to release in premiere access. Mm-hmm. For example, you they're releasing Black Widow, they released Raya, they're releasing Krella in all premiere access, but they're releasing Pixar's Luca, um, which is considered to be or 
it's expected to be a hit for Pixar because it's Pixar um, and in contention for awards next year and everything. They're going to release it for free. And apparently there was um, uh, uh, just a report today or yesterday, I don't really remember, um, about Pixar being pissed that, you know, yeah. why is our movie not being considered for premier access or why is it not going into theaters? Because Luca, I think it's just going into Disney um, plus and limited release in the theaters. So it's just weird how they pick and choose what they're releasing in premier access and what they're not. Yeah. And we'll see what they do with the other uh, Marvel films as well this year. Cause we still have Shang-Chi and uh, the, Eternals the Eternals too. So those, those are both coming out this year on there, but Oh, the Eternals. I'm oh, sorry about that. The Eternals, yeah. they're waiting. <laughs> they're going to push that until like December because they are waiting to put in their promo from Academy Award winning director Chloe, Chloe Zhao. Zhao. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. waiting yeah. to have that it's, promo. Yeah. If you don't know, the Eternals is a is a big, big like space epic that's coming out the, towards the end of the year. And it's directed by what's going to be the, the Academy Award winning director, Chloe Zhao, who do, who's doing no bad land. And then she's going to do this movie at the end of the year. So it's like pretty crazy that that's the same person, but yeah. It, it's insane <laughs> that you go from like the quietest yeah. studio indie ever, literally absolute- quiet movie. Cause you're yeah. just following Francis McDermott to like a Marvel bombastic space epic. Yeah. It's going to be pretty nuts. It's going to be a big swing there. <laughs> Another movie. That's also a big swing here is the not Marvel anymore. We're going to move away from Marvel for a second, move back to the DC universe and a trailer I know you were super excited about. You even you were so excited you for, you told me the wrong name earlier this week. You said check out the movie for Suicide Squad, and I was like, wait, that movie came out like six years ago, didn't it? And it's right, the Su- Suicide Squad did come out six years ago, but the Suicide Squad trailer just dropped this week. I quit. And I quit. I know, you can't quit. We're in the middle of a podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the trailer for the Suicide Squad came out this week, and needless to say, you were out of your mind with this one. I am so excited. I hate Suicide Squad, but I already am in love with the Suicide Squad, Steven. (laughs) Uh, No, I love it. The trailer looks so nuts. It's the R-rated movie that the Suicide Squad deserves. Um, There's like 50 characters in this movie. All the posters literally have the tagline, don't get too attached. So we know that more than half of them are going to die in the movie. Um, I think James Gunn is the perfect person to direct this kind of film um you can tell in the trailer at least for me that the chemistry between the cast members is super super amazing and at the end of the trailer i was really excited because we get starro and starro is literally this giant alien starfish who just comes to earth to destroy earth and who better than james gunn to direct a giant starfish with the Suicide Squad, with a, and I don't know, like a, a, a weasel and a talking shark. Like, this yeah. movie's not supposed to work, and it looks so good. I mean, it looks interesting for sure. I'm, I'm interested in where it goes with it. I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I have no attachment to this material, but, <laughs> I mean, I'll probably see it because I watch a lot of movies, so I'll probably see it, but I have no, absolutely no attachment to this film. It's going to be on HBO, so... Yeah, that's probably it might be one of those that I watch on HBO. I don't know. I mean, it looks it looks pretty epic. I mean, it looks funny. That's for sure. It's definitely a funny comic book and it looks violent and just fun, though. It looks really fun. You know, I think John Cena is going to be hilarious. I think John Cena also has because his character in this. uh, I don't know what his character's name in this. I don't 
I'm not the biggest fan of these of this movie, but I know his character is going and having his own spinoff show on mm-hmm. HBO. I believe there's going to be uh, his show is going to be on HBO. It's exclusively for him. So like we know, hopefully he doesn't die in this movie because it'd be, be kind of weird if he did. And then he has the show after. And James but. Gunn um, is producing and directing that show as well. So it, it's fun. I, I yeah, it look it just looks good. I think they're they're gonna go to the ridiculous side of it. Mm-hmm. which I think James Gunn does really well. James Gunn directed Guardians of the Galaxy, a very little known comic. And it, on paper, it's not really supposed to work. And it was one of Marvel's biggest hits. So yeah. I think James Gunn is the perfect person to do this. Again, once you see a giant, a, a, a talking shark, by the way, played by Sylvester Stallone, voiced by Sylvester Stallone, that makes me really happy because that's just insane. Um, a weasel and a giant starfish trying to kill humans listen it's just gonna be fun it's gonna it be seems fun. like it it seems yeah. like it could be fun now that'll that'll definitely be fun uh i'm excited for just the, the movie season to come back and just you know getting back into the theaters and, and seeing some seeing some stuff again definitely anyway, uh before we get into uh our, our our discussion on shrek which is pretty exciting i think this is gonna be a fun talk on shrek before we get into it though we're gonna just take a quick break So we're back. We're going to talk about one of the iconic films of the last 20 years in terms of animation. One of the movies that changed everything, and that is 2001's Shrek. I know we're like a month or two early on on this review, but it is the 20-year anniversary of that film coming out. So we're going to talk about it for a little bit. I just, I, I'm still in shock that this came out 20 years ago. It's kind of weird to think about that this is a 20-year-old film. I rewatched it this week, and it just, it does not look like it came out 20 years ago. It is mm-hmm it's it's bizarre that it came out that long ago we're old we are officially old <laughs> we were pre-teenagers when this movie came out it's insane we're pre-teens steve we were kids yeah no i know we were we were teens right isn't 13 is that teen i have no idea i think they think 13 is teen because you have the word teen in it right but no it's crazy it's crazy i mean sure. i was i wasn't even in high school yet insane you know like it's just it's just crazy but like i I remember this very very vividly it was such a such a huge movie that came out and like Mm -hmm. the the stars were at their peak there's there you know the the comedy was absolutely insane the the animation the 3d animation this is like still in the early throes of 3d animation and it just worked i mean it looks fantastic it looks like it could come out now i mean granted 3d animation has come even further today and it looks incredible today but this is one of the earlier 3D animation movies. It's the fifth movie by DreamWorks. DreamWorks just started. And then I say fifth, and it sounds like it's been like DreamWorks had been along for, for a while. DreamWorks first movie came out in like 1998. Mm-hmm. And then they had three movies come out in 2000. And then this came out. So it's like they just went like boom, 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 boom. And they came out with these movies. And it cost only $60 million dollars. Which does, which might seem like a lot, which for an animated film it probably is, especially at that time. But it made four hundred eighty-four million dollars. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for two thousand one. In two thousand one, that's a huge, huge amount of money. So, like, you can't you can't knock that. I mean, this movie would be a billion-dollar movie today. Yeah, like, this would be like Frozen level one billion-dollar movie. I mean, the only the the three movies that made more than that 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 year in two thousand one are another animated film which is monsters inc you know which 
was a fantastic film by Disney Pixar. And then two other movies that kicked off, you know, multi-billion dollar franchises, which we will have discussions on much later this year, including which are both Harry Potter and the Lord of the Rings. Oh, those two movies. I think I've seen them. Those two little films that came out, you know, in 2001, uh, which we will dedicate probably you know, a month each to <laughs> um, <laughs> those franchises, you know, like I know you're I've heard of those. Yeah. You know, we are, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Harry Potter. I'm not going to say I'm a huge fan of Harry Potter. I'm not saying, no, I'm not saying I'm not a fan. I just can't say I'm a huge fan because that would be comparing to you who is an absolutely huge fan. And especially to my wife, Kayla, who is an even bigger fan than anybody that I can possibly think of, you know, like, <laughs> so I'm, I'm a fan of those. But I can't say I'm a huge fan because that would that would diminish how big of a fan you are. I love you know that you're saying? just surrounded by people that love and go crazy for Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean, but but then inversely, like, you know, you, there's no doubt that I am an absolutely massive, massive fan of The Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. So anyway, those are for a later discussion. We're going to have probably those discussions back towards the back half of the year. Uh, certainly get excited for those. Those will be great discussions. But this came out you know, at the right time, it came out, it, it was a huge, huge hit made, you know, a, a massive amount of money, got huge, huge critical response. And it's really interesting because I don't know if people are really familiar with the story of DreamWorks and the story of the production of this film, but it's a really, really fascinating one. Did you, did you, before reading the rundown on this, did you really know much about the the story of this? I mean, I remember DreamWorks being founded um, from someone who was mad or had worked with disney um and it was like this counter animated company um to counter disney's animation um because at that time in the 90s it was just disney and pixar which started in 95 yeah toy story um so i knew that um but reading down the run the the rundown i had no idea like yeah so spielberg were involved so yeah let me let me just go over real just a little bit so it's pretty crazy that you know, so DreamWorks is founded in 1994. It's founded by Steven Spielberg, David Geffen, and Jeffrey Katzenberg. Now, obviously, Spielberg is someone who every person who watches movies should know who Steven Spielberg is. If you don't know who he is, I don't know what films you think you've been watching, but you haven't been watching films because his movies are super, super iconic. Uh, David Geffen is also just a, a big producer who's like part of, of massive record labels and, and just a, a well-known producer in, in Hollywood. And then Jeffrey Katzenberg is this other character who is the person who I'm I'm most interested in in this whole story because Katzenberg, if you don't know, and you probably wouldn't, but David Katzenberg was, he, he was deemed, he was put in place as like one of the head of film production in Disney during the eighties when Disney was starting to slump. Disney actually was at like the bottom of all the box office returns they had, they were not doing well in the eighties. And then they came in, he came in and was put in charge of like uh, the touchstone pictures and things like that and Touchstone Pictures and Touchstone TV. And he came out with a couple of big hits like Three Men and a Baby and Good Morning Vietnam. And then he worked on the TV side as well when he oversaw the creation of Home Improvement, which was a big success. And one of your favorites, The Golden Girls. Yes. Yes. I know your feelings on that. uh, I love that. I love that show. I love that show. (laughs) I mean, if you're gay and you don't like The Golden Girls, you are not gay. I'm revoking your card. You're now starting to gatekeep there. Yeah, I'm policing that. <laughs> Good times. Uh, and then, so after the success of all of that stuff, he was put in charge of like, oh, hey, why don't you work on the animation part? And he worked on, you know, um, I think the Black Cauldron was the first one that he worked on, which was mildly successful. And then he did 
Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which became this crazy, interesting mm-hmm. hit. And then he he turned he dialed it up for the Renaissance. The Renaissance of Disney came in, and he was the he oversaw some of the most iconic and most successful Disney properties ever, including The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and The Lion King. Yeah, he oversaw those projects, which brought him. It's like you know, and also sorry at the end of his at the end he also oversaw the Disney Pixar deal. He was the one that sealed the deal there. Mm-hmm. So obviously a huge huge power in Disney. And what happened in, in I guess, the, the story of how he, Katzenberg, you know, left the company, he was originally wanting to become the president of Disney. So the CEO is a guy by the name of Michael Eisen, Eisner, rather. Michael Eisner was the, the head of the CEO of Disney. Uh, Roy Disney is also still around at this time. So I think he's like the grandson of Walt Disney or something like that. I think, so, isn't Roy his brother? Was it his brother? I believe so. I think, I think it was... I don't think it could have been his brother. I think it was like is is it someone someone down the line. I don't think it was his brother's brother. That would have been he would have to be really old to be his brother. But anyway, regardless, down the line. Uh so Oh yeah, his brother died in 71. So it must have been Roy's son. Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. It. something something like that. So like his Oh yeah, his child his son is also Roy Disney. So yeah, it must have been his son. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um, so they anyway, so when Eisner Eisner wanted uh, Eisner said to to Katzenberg, you know, you can become president when the current president, you know, leaves. If you he ever leaves, you'll you'll get out of here. You we'll put you in the president. And then the 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 current president at the time in 1994 died in a plane in a helicopter crash, unfortunately. And Katzenberg is like, okay, I'm excited. I'm going to take this position. And then Michael Eisner was like, okay, so I'm going to be the president and the CEO. And Katzenberg got all pissed. They ended up like forcing him out of the company. He sued for about 200 and settled outside out of court for $250 million and created DreamWorks. So one of his first projects that they take on when he creates DreamWorks with Steven Spielberg is this, this little children's book that Spielberg found in 1990 called Shrek. Actually, it's called Shrek because there's an exclamation point after it. <laughs> but uh, so Spielberg gets the hold of this in 1990. He actually bought the the rights to this book in 1991 because he's like, this is a really interesting character. Shrek as a character is really fascinating. And he originally was going to make it as a traditional animated film, like you know the cartoon versions that we that were like really popular during the Renaissance and and before. He originally wanted to make this movie with Bill Murray as Shrek, and Donkey was going to be played by Steve Martin. Oh, interesting. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be an interesting film, especially at that time, you know, in the early 90s. That could have been a really interesting film. I mean, those were two of the most comedic minds of that time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're just two of the best comedic minds of all time. Of all time, but, you know, they were at, like, the height of their power, like, with Ghostbusters yeah. and Father of the Bride and all those things, so. Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. They were just absolutely crushing it, absolutely massive, massive people. And then, uh, so it just sat there for a little while, and then all, obviously it got into the hands of Jeffrey Katzenberg, and mm-hmm. he got it to the right people and started getting it made with DreamWorks. And originally, the the funny thing before it even started being made, they, they originally hired uh, Andrew Adamson as the first director, and he he ended up co-directing it as well. So he he co-directs this film um, with, with uh, Vicky Jensen. So they worked together on it, but the original draft that he that um, 
Adamson wanted was originally going to be a lot more adult themed, like a lot more uh, sex jokes. It was going to include Guns and Roses and like all of this stuff is like, you know, part of the, the, the like really heavy metal, like really kind of out there adult version of, a, of an animated film. And Katzenberg was like, eh, I don't want to go with the all adult. Let's make it like more of like a not family, family friendly, but mm-hmm. like we're not going rated G, but we're not going to go rated you know, PG 13. Yeah. We got to, we got to shuffle between the PG and bordering PG 13 with like some jokes, some suggestive jokes, but not necessarily like right there. And that's kind of what delivers here. And it started in 1996 is when they finally actually start making this film. They start coming up with the storyboards, although there's like no direction at that point and things get start to settle in. And that's where you get into some of the really interesting parts on the origins of, of Shrek and more of the, the, the the role and the casting is where it starts to come together in the late nineties. And obviously if you're going to make a movie in the late nineties, you know, you start want, you want to pitch a movie to someone in the late nineties. Who's the biggest actor in 1997, 1998, the one, the only Nicholas cage was offered this movie for the very first time. He was the original person offered this role for Shrek. Of course he was. Cause why not? I mean, you have to think about it. Nick cage is like, crushing it in the night in 98 right? <laughs> academy yeah. award winner nicholas cage <laughs> yeah well he's coming off of that movie right uh so he's coming off of um that film living las academy. vegas yeah leaving las vegas so he's, he's coming off of that he goes into making some of the the best trio of action movies i think there is he literally does uh the rock con air and face off Yep. There is no better trio of movies that you can put together of a person who has a perfect run than those three films. So obviously <laughs> you're not going to go from face off to Shrek. You know, it just seemed like a weird turn, but he ended up turning it down and they offered it to Chris Farley instead. You know, Chris Farley, the, the comedic genius on SNL um, actually did come in. He accepted and recorded most of, most of the dialogue for it. And he ended up recording most of the script. 90% of it was recorded apparently. Um, and, and then unfortunately he, he had his early death that he, he ended up dying before he was able to finish it. Um, and his untimely death and they ended up offering the, the part to Mike Myers, who is, you know, riding high off of his success with Austin powers. And he, he steps in and insisted instead of an entire rewrite, rewrite the entire script. And they, they ended up changing the whole script for him and they rewrote the entire script for him. He recorded all of his audio. And I think what's really fascinating, he recorded all of his audio. And then he also, uh, at one point after finishing all of his audio, he said, wait a minute, can we go back and do this again? Except with a Scottish accent. And they're like, wait, what do you mean? We just finished doing all of this. It's going to cost us like $4 million. And he's like, yeah, but just trust me, listen to this one part. They played one scene, like a clip of one scene with Shrek with a Scottish accent. And they're like, yep, it's totally worth it. Let's change the whole thing. And they rewrote the whole thing again. Well, not the whole thing, but they 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 redid all the recordings again. And he, with a Scottish accent on Shrek, and it just made the film work. The story worked better. The jokes worked better. The whole thing just completely worked. And it's, and it's Mike Myers delivering just like one of his iconic voices in just a, a perfect, perfect uh, role as Shrek here uh, just absolutely crushes it. And then you also obviously get some of the other biggest people at the time. You know, you get Eddie Murphy, who is actually coming off of a little bit of a lull, but, you know, came off. Now he's coming off of a rebound of Mulan, where he plays Mushu, one of the most iconic Disney character sidekicks. 
and Dr. Doolittle, which was a big hit for him back in 2000. And then he comes in and does, and does the voice of Donkey. You have Cameron Diaz, who comes in from There's Something About Mary, Any Given Sunday, and Charlie's Angels, and just dives right into this film. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, John Lithgow is coming off of Third Rock from the Sun, who just finished that run of like a huge Emmy wins off for that film, that TV show, and coming off that run playing Lord Farquaad. <laughs> and Lord just, Farquaad. And it's just, it's just the story, the movie comes together. And the thing that ties the whole thing together is the iconic 1998 hit All Star by Smash Mouth. <laughs> the song that just won't leave you alone. To this just, day, to this day, it haunts us. Did you know that I was looking, doing some of the research for this, I was looking up the charts on this and it, it charted pretty well back in the 90s, like back in 99, it charted pretty decently, but it's still charting on streaming today. They have streaming mm-hmm. charts today on the Billboard Hot 500, uh, Hot Rock streaming or whatever. It's the, it's like the top 10. Like this year, I think it was top 10. Like, I don't understand. Like, how? why are people still listening to the song? Because it's a good song, Steve. It's catchy. It? It's Is cool. It? It's, it's, ca- it's catchy. It's catchy. Yeah, there's no doubt it's catchy because I'm thinking it right now in my head and I want to, I can't that was it. That was the, this song was the Let It Go of from 2001 to like 2003. <laughs> Remember when Let It Go came out in 2013? It just dominated for like two years and we couldn't get oh away God. from it. That's we basically st- the song. We still can't get away from this song though. We still can't get away from it. It's become like a meme of a song. It's so ridiculous. Well, and 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 as kids discover or rediscover Shrek, that's why I think the song is never going to leave. Because Shrek is one of those movies that new kids rediscover it and they're like, oh, this is a catchy song. Let me put it on. Good times. Yeah. I, I'm not, I don't know about if it is good times though. I'm, I'm not okay. mad at it. I'm okay if Smash Mouth does not have this song play ever again. Good for you, Smash Mouth, for making a, a hit like this and, you know, latching yourself onto this and making, you know, continuing to make money off of a hit that you wrote 22 years ago. But I'm all, I'm all set with that. <laughs> so, so that's, that's, uh, that's, that's the start of the whole movie. I know there's, it's a lot of background, a lot of background invested there, but it's a crazy, crazy story to get to the production of this. The fact well, that Katzenberg, you know, basically did this as a, as a big, you know, let me show you Disney, what's up. And it becomes a huge success. Yeah. Well, he wanted, you know, obviously that came out out of spite, but mm-hmm. it was a new studio to rival Disney because at that time we only had Disney and Pixar. Um, I just wanted to say that if you're interested, um, obviously you, Steve, and, and listeners out there, there is a docuseries on Disney Plus called um, The Imagineering Story, six episodes, and they... Katzenberg appears in that um, docuseries and they talk about this um, and Michael Eisner is in it um, because Michael Eisner is a love-hate figure in Disney. He is credited with boosting the parks and and taking Disney and just, you know, with him, we got like Animal Kingdom and stuff like that. But he's also credited with destroying the Renaissance and the movie side of Disney um, because of what happened with Katzenberg. So that's just something if you want to get a little more um, information on it. it's a really good documentary i'm a disney fan so i love it listen shrek is amazing I, I i i love it it's interesting i didn't know a lot of like this was offered to nick cage and like i, I remember chris farley recording where i knew i had read um, yeah chris farley recorded leaked, a lot of the movie apparently they leaked uh that back in 2015 they leaked actually a footage of it you can see i think on youtube mm. you can find footage of him doing the voice it's 
it's a little unnerving because it, I, you know, Shrek has been become so iconic that it's a little bit weird to hear it as with Chris Farley's voice, but there is some of that footage out there. I think you can, if you can probably find that now. Interesting. But yeah. This yeah. movie is just great. And again, not mad about smash mouth. So continue. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I just, en- I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. I, I re we re- I rewatched it this week and it was just fun. It's just as fun as it was the first time around. Mm-hmm. The jokes are even funnier. Now, as you get older, they're even funnier. Uh, because you just start to catch jokes that you didn't catch when you were 13 years old, you know, or or younger or older. Like you just you just get them. They're so so unbelievably funny. Now I want to just go through a couple of different like discussions here. So, uh, which is that I I just there's some really interesting things to talk about here. The first thing is just thinking about like the different scenes of the movie. There's so many different great scenes in this film, and I just wanted to get see see what you thought was some of your favorite scenes. What are some of your favorite scenes from this film? Um, like you said, this movie has iconic scenes. This is one of the few animated movies that there is just scene after scene after scene that you remember. If I were to choose, I'm going to choose two that I really, really love. And it's that, um, that first introduction we get to all the magical creatures when they're in the forest, like when donkey's about to be sold, we get the three <laughs> little bears in the cages. Um, cause it, it's just fun. I was telling you earlier, this is the original once upon a time before once upon a time the tv show aired um so i love that introduction to all those um just fairy tale creatures that we all grew up reading and and listening and and knowing so it's just fun to see them um and i love love the gingerbread scene with lord farquaad oh my god talk about a an iconic iconic scene that is i you're you're kind of stepping on my feet here because i was going to bring that up as like one of my absolute favorite characters out of all of this my favorite sidekick character in the entire series of all of this is the gingerbread man he's so good so good and that scene is so iconic unbelievable scene here i mean you get the gingerbread man just just spitting in the eye of lord (laughs) (laughs) not the gumball drop buttons (laughs) i love it it's so good the whole the whole do you know the muffin man (laughs) the muffin man the muffin man it's just the one who lives on drury lane (laughs) it's so good she's married to the muffin man the muffin man (laughs) the muffin man it's just so good oh i love that scene i love it he's torturing he breaks his legs he's torturing the damn gingerbread man it's so funny you look at it now you're like this is a torture scene oh it's it's so so good i love that scene it's it's definitely my favorite scene from the the whole movie i mean uh for that's like that I don't know about my favorite scene, but that's my favorite character for sure is the gingerbread man. I just love the gingerbread man. Uh, one of my favorite scenes, I, I I love the scene when Shrek comes to Duloc for the first time. You know, right from the very moment when he gets here, he makes a dick joke right at the very beginning. You know, he says, like he sees the giant thing of Duloc. Mm-hmm. And he goes, do you think he's compensating for something? And he like nudges him, you know? And it's like, what is like as a 13 year old, like, I don't get it. I don't know what that joke is, but it's like, now you, you totally get it. Um, and then even the, the guy who's dressed up as like, you know, the big, like Lord dude, Farquaad. Yeah. Lord Farquaad with the giant head on. And he just runs back and forth through the, through the chain. I don't know why that scene is so unbelievably funny, but he's just walking, running back and forth through the, <laughs> through the, the velvet. And I just, I just thought that was so funny for some reason. And then he just knocks his head on the door and can't run in. And 
then when he gets inside, he has the the rules that are done by like the it's a small world thing. <laughs> the animated, yeah, that's that's yeah. such a jab to Disney. I love that. Oh, that yeah. is such a jab to Disney. A blatant jab to Disney, and then the the also the iconic line, and it says, uh, "Please stay off of the grass. Wipe your shoes and your face." Face. <laughs> it's such a. It's again. It's again one of those things that you might not have caught as a kid, but like it's like you know, obviously they're about to say like ass, like wipe your shoe, you know. Please stay off of the grass, wipe your shoes in your ass, especially because they bend over. But instead, they say face. It's just, it's comedic. They bend over and then they just look at the at Shrek like face. Face. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, no, it's that's a great, great scene. And then I also, uh, another scene that I mean, the whole thing up until like they get into the the whole like uh, fight, you know, with with all the knights there in the, mm-hmm. in the wrestling rink and everything like that. Because at that time, I really liked wrestling. It was a perfect, it was the attitude area in the WWE slash F at the time. At that time, it was you know? WWF. It was the F slash E because it just started to become the E soon. And like, they, there's the moment with the old lady, give him the chair. You know, like, it's so, it's so good. <laughs> that is so I, Undertaker and Mankind. Oh, Boom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was so that whole scene is fantastic. I'm a, I, I, I loved, loved, loved that part. Is there any other scenes that you wanted to talk about? Um, I mean, I love Fiona when we when we get her um, badass fighting the soldiers. Uh, well, yeah. fighting Robin Hood's Robin Hood's men. Yeah, I love that. It's just hilarious. Um, Robin Hood, voiced by Vincent Cassell, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Vincent Cassell voices Robin Hood. Of course, he does. Um, yeah, yeah and she does just... the whole she does the whole Matrix breakdown and like does the, the yep. thing from the Matrix and where she stands up and like karate like you know kicks both of them. It was it was that's a great scene. That's a that's great a scene. great scene. I mean, I love when she sings opera with the bird and the bird just explodes and then she's <laughs> frying the bird's eggs. It's just so you're like like you uh, said you look at it now when we're in our thirties and we're like oh yeah. wow <laughs> yeah, this they just is make... intense and I love yeah. it. They just change those like couple little things there that are they're they're just really good. I mean it's. It's 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 well done. I'm such a fan of those scenes. Those are those are great parts of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the end. I think what's really funny in the end of the film, uh, if you haven't seen this movie, I don't know what you're doing. You, you what have you been doing for the last yet. twenty years of your life? Yeah. Anyway, at the end, though, the the thing that I think is really funny is right at the very end, Farquaad gets eaten. He gets eaten alive. He gets eaten by a shark, like or by a dragon. He gets eaten. It's like the dragon just eats Farquaad. Like it. Does, there's no like. He gets like banished or thrown in prison. No, he gets eaten by a shark, by by a dragon. I don't want to say shark, but he gets eaten by a dragon right in the end. Like, I also I love the fact that the dragon falls in love with donkey. The donkey, yeah, yeah. It's so weird and like kind of creepy and aged maybe a little poorly, but you know. It is, and then they have babies in the sequels, and you're like, what happened here? Like, how, how is that? Like, I, we're I still- not we're not going to try to get into the the whole how do you get baby dragon donkeys. We're not going to get into that. Oh, we don't need okay. to Okay. That's not I, part of our conversation. No, that wasn't on my rundown. If you want to oh, have okay. that conversation, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, we can talk about that at a different date, but maybe not, maybe not on the pod, maybe not on record. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that our listeners are really uh, interested in that. Um, but one of the other things just to talk about, uh, you know, there's so many great scenes in this film. And one thing I love is obviously, like we were talking about a little bit, the slightly more adult jokes in here. There's some mm-hmm. really funny adult jokes that are in here. Like some of the some of the, the potty humor, as it were. I know some people weren't liking this because there's like, you know, toilet humor, like farts and burps and, you know, better out than in, I always say, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, people didn't like that, but it was good. It's kind of funny, you know, that lightened up the mood here. Well, and that's when you see those are 
those are just small jobs at Disney. You know, Disney has built their their image around um, niceness and kids and fit and everything's just pretty and nice and can and clean and, fun and clean yeah and 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 you know pink and roses and and everything and then comes Shrek with at that time an animated movie doing these kinds of these kinds of jokes was weirdly new and you're like this is not supposed at that time to be um, a kids movie um so you know they're jabbing at disney you know you can't have animated movies um that are for kids but are also for adults you know i think shrek comes in a moment that they really show that animation can also be for adults because even early pixar pixar now is known like for adult stories and animation but early pixar is just kids all around so I think Shrek did that and showed like animation can be dirty, but without being explicit. Yeah. I think it was, I think there's, there's a lot of that stuff. That's really good. Um, Like it's definitely not explicit, but it definitely made references to different things. Uh, there was actually one thing that I thought was a little bit far in this one and rewatching it. I caught for the very first time. And it's, it's a very quick thing that I don't know if you caught it this time, but there's a scene when, uh, Farquaad is sitting in bed and asking to see pictures of Fiona again and then he pulls up his sheet a little bit oh yeah I don't know if you caught that you, you, <laughs> yeah. might, you might miss it. you go ooh that's a that's a really interesting little thing and then they yeah. cut away really quickly but like <laughs> it's like oh wow they're actually going there that's uh that's a bit much there for for this um yeah that one that might have missed the sensors there that that might have if you blink you'll miss it but uh <laughs> Lord Farquaad, he's just a, such a, a character. character. Oh my god. That actually just brings me into my next point here is looking at the the iconic the characterizations here. Is looking at you know, we have archetypes of characters. I mean, that's one of the things if you if you look at stu- film and you study film, you find archetypes which have like specific characteristics that they follow very strictly to make characters really believable and understandable. And this movie kind of takes these typical fairy tale characters and kind of manipulates them a little bit in a funnier way or in a more interesting way. Oh, we could start right there with Lord Farquaad. Lord Farquaad is just such a funny villain in this. Mm-hmm. As like the king, there's like the evil king because he's 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 like they 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 twist on him because he's also short. Mm-hmm. And they make a lot of jokes about him being short. Um which is great because he's like especially like the having to l- drop down the the torture table you know, so he could torture the gingerbread man. Like, he has you know, to get picked thing. up from the horse to be put down. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he's full size, but then they pick him up and you see his arms aren't actually there. His legs aren't actually there and they just put him down. Like there's a lot of jokes there that are great. And there's, he delivers so many great lines. Mm-hmm. You know, my favorite, my favorite line like that he delivers is um, he goes, some of you may die. <laughs> And that's a that's sacrifice a- I'm willing to make. <laughs> I'm willing to, like, you're not making that sacrifice. It's not, it's, it's so good. Oh man, I, I'm a big fan of his. And like, just the, he's not a great character. He's a horrible, horrible character. Mm-hmm. You know, to steal his, his person because he wants more power. He's know? an iconic villain. I think he's so fun. Um, his design, like you said, his design is just so cool. Like the black bob with the short, like, you know, a little short king with a black bob, or like big. It's just, it, he's just hilarious. And John John Lithgow is the perfect person to do his voice. I mean, he's, he's great. You know, John Lithgow is is incredible as Lord Farquaad. I, I just yes, love, is. you know, he's he's also can be sinister, you know, even in the scene when he's torturing 
you know, the gingerbread man, you know, he, he holds his little legs and he says, run, run as fast as you can. You'll never catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. And he, He's like, I'm not the monster here. You know, like it's great. Like he just, he just is torturing him. And it's like, he's actually kind of sinister in there. And he, he pulls it off, I think, pretty well. Yeah. John Lithgow is really good playing evil guys. I don't know if you ever saw Dexter, but he's just one of the main antagonists in Dexter. And he's really good. Really yeah, not, good. I didn't see him in that, but I do know him as the villain in Cliffhanger, which I don't know if you've seen that. Not seen that. Yeah. That's, it's funny because those are very different shows. Uh, and well, one is a movie, one is a show. I mean, Dexter is about, you know, it's a sort of, good intake on like serial killers and, and stuff mm-hmm. on notes like highbrow and then cliffhanger is a sylvester stallone film about people who you don't know, have to try to save people on a, on the side of a mountain so very different films um <laughs> uh the other next character on here i just want to look at is shrek as the hero what do you think of shrek as the hero in this and his archetype as the hero I love it. I love it because he is, he doesn't want to be a hero. He just wants his swamp. That's all he wants. Um, He is, oh, I can't find the word for it. I was thinking about it earlier, but he's just, I'm going to use dumb and luck kind of hero. Cause the things that happen, like for example, when they're trying to save Fiona from the castle, most of the things that happen are by luck. Like it's just, fate that happens it's not really him um and i love that about him um i love that he's not the traditional hero um and that's something that i love about this movie that they're not traditional princess and princesses and and, and all that um which is really cool um and again i think mike myers just was born to play this role yeah it's it's not because this movie's already out there i just it's really hard for me to to just listen to somebody else play this role it would be really, really difficult to hear someone else in it. And like Shrek is just such an interesting hero because he's, he's, he's the anti-hero, you know, he's not someone that, you know, you want to root for because he's an ugly ogre, you know, he's this mm-hmm. ugly ogre who lives in a swamp and doesn't want anybody else around him. He doesn't care about anybody else. And he's just wants to be alone and be by himself. And it's kind of interesting because in the book, in the original book, Shrek, he is the a personification of an anti-hero but he he mm-hmm. doesn't want to save the princess he wants to marry the only reason he falls for the princess in the book is because the princess is uglier than him and mm-hmm. they're actually attracted to each other because they're both so ugly and that's what that's what it's put in the book as they're they're both saying they're attracted to each other because they're both so hideous that's what they say and like that's it's an interesting way to look at it um and you know and even actually in the book in the book rather than fight uh one of the villains one of the fighting one of them he actually just like breathes fire on him and kills him like immediately like there's no like (laughs) honor and he's like fights me in hand and like unarmed combat or something like that like he's like no and then just like lights him on fire so like he's he's an anti-hero he doesn't want to he he just wants his swamp he doesn't care where the where the fairy tale creatures go he just Mm -hmm. wants his swamp back he doesn't care about this princess he just wants his swamp he's just doing this as a means to an end and it's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, it's it's sort of the characterization you get because he's not the typical hero. I mean, we get the typical heroes in some other of these movies, like Robin Hood tries to be the typical hero, but you just look at him and you're like, this character is just ridiculous. Yep. Um, and in this, they just make it, he's just such a great, great character here. And I I, I enjoyed that and his his grossness, his, uh, his purposeful grossness. I mean, I'm not saying that as like, you know, repulsiveness, but like he is like, he's he's farting, he's, burping he's rolling around in mud he's doing all this stuff like he's eating garbage like that's what he does and it's 
it's just such a great character. He's the reluctant hero in this. And I'm a big fan of that characterization. And again, like you said, Mike Myers is just incredible. Yeah, he is. Incredible voice acting here. Only to be topped by our next character, which is Donkey. Donkey as the sidekick, voiced by Eddie Murphy, who you were saying it at one point that this is just an all-timer in terms of iconic animated characters. Absolutely iconic performance here. Eddie Murphy crushes it as Donkey. Yeah, he does. I think this is one of the best animated characters ever put on film. I think this is one of the best voice acting performances ever done. Um, you know, alongside people like Circus with Gollum and stuff like that. Um, and I think um, Eddie Murphy has given us two because I think Mushu is another that is just iconic from Mulan. You know, what Eddie Murphy does here, just, they're all great. I think this is one of the few animated films that every character is cast to perfection. And yeah. it's very hard for me to 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 see somebody else playing these characters. But what Donkey, uh, what Eddie Murphy does with Donkey is just on another level. You know, he brings this, this is just voice acting and when I see this movie, I can see Eddie Murphy. I'm a huge fan of Eddie Murphy. I can see him in the booth just doing this character, being this character. And I think it's just hilarious what he does with it. It's just so iconic. So, it's, so it's, iconic. And his chemistry with Mike Myers is insanely good. Yeah, they're both, you know, they're both SNL alum. They're both absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. And like Eddie Murphy's just delivering stand-up. He's basically just delivering stand-up for the next, like, for the, for the entirety of the movie. Since he first opens his mouth, he's just nonstop talking, first of all, which is, you know, Shrek even says it. It's like, oh, the donkey can talk. Yeah, it's getting to shut up. That's the hard part, you know? That's the trick. <laughs> like, yep. I thought that that's great. I mean, donkey just starts off with such great things. Like, you know, one of the best lines in the, in one of my favorite quotes in the movie is, you know, we can stay up all night, stop in manly stories, and in the morning, I'm making, I'm making waffles. waffles. <laughs> like it's it's so good. And he he just keeps delivering. And like even in like a scene with a lot of tension when Shrek is like, you know, quote unquote poisoned or whatever with the with the arrow, and he's like, he has to go get the certain flowers, right? And he's like, blue flower, red thorn, blue flower, red thorn, blue flower, red thorn. Man, wouldn't this be so much easier if I wasn't colorblind? colorblind. <laughs> it's so it's he's just he's so so good in this film, and he just he's he's the he's the emotional heartbeat of the film shrek oh for sure reserved shrek is extremely reserved fiona plays like you know she's she's got a lot going on underneath and donkey wears it all right out there he says it right in the beginning he's like i i wear it all out there i don't have any layers you know like where shrek's like i'm like an onion he's like you know i'm not yeah he's like (laughs) you make people cry You leave them on the sun, they get all brown, they get all brown, start sprouting little ha- white hairs. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so good. This is, this is, and I was, I think we were, te- I, I was texting you earlier um, or yesterday about this, that I think Eddie Murphy in Shrek, people like Eddie Murphy in Shrek, people like Andy Serkis in um, Lord of the Rings, people like Benedict Cumberbatch in The Hobbit, um, make the case for voice acting and motion capture acting to be taken seriously, because I think it's just amazing work that they do. Um, And it's not just sitting in front of a mic and recording lines. It just, it takes so much more than that. And I think what Eddie Murphy does with donkey is a prime example of somebody just knocking it out of the park in animation. 
just outstanding. It's a really interesting discussion to see if there is actually a, a, a merit for an Academy Award for like voice acting, if that should be considered acting or if it's just considered voice acting because, you know, they're very different. And there's a lot of people who are just, they make their money uh, and they make their bread mm-hmm. and their butter out of voice acting. And they're phenomenal at it too. And, you know, not to take anything away from those people, those people are just absolutely incredible too. But, you know, like you said, there's a lot more to it. It's not mm-hmm. just, it's not just sitting in a booth and talking. There's a lot to voice acting. Yeah. You know, it's something that's, it's something that's really, really impressive to see. I mean, I've seen a couple of YouTube videos about like some, some professional voice actors and how difficult it is to actually do it correctly. Yeah. And, you know, people, some people can walk into the booth and just crush it. I mean, Eddie Murphy is a prime example of this, you know, Eddie Murphy, Robin Williams was a, I, you know, obviously absolutely incredible at it, you know, as, as, as Aladdin, uh, sorry, as the genie in Aladdin, genie. but like, yep. yeah, like, you know, incredible, but you know, it's, it's something that's, it's, you, you can't take it for granted. It's a very difficult thing to do. And he does a very good job of it. Well, and this one, um, and you mentioned that Lord of the Rings came out the same year, the same year that Shrek came out. Um, this was 2001, 2002, because we get Gollum into Towers full on. Um, there were, this is the beginning of conversations that 20 years later are still happening in the Academy of should we incorporate categories for voice acting or motion capture, or should those performances be considered in the normal acting categories that we have? Because there is just amazing and transcendent work being done um, in these type of movies that are not recognized. I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, I know we're, we're both not fans of the Hobbit movies, but I don't know if you've no. ever seen the, <laughs> the video of Benedict Cumberbatch doing smog, recording smog. It is just yeah. mind blowing the amount of work that he does. Yeah, he um, does. I know he lends his face to smog as well. So that's pretty, I mean, it is, it is really impressive. I think, I think motion capture has a, has some merit there, but voice acting would be difficult. And then the other thing is, do we really want to add more categories to the Academy Awards? I that's mean, the, that's the big I issue. Mean, we just took out one sound, so we could. I, 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 I think I, I, if it were up to me, I would have three categories added to the Oscars, which is voice acting or motion capture. Try to find a way to blend those. Um, stunt performers mm-hmm. and casting directors, but that's another conversation. Yeah. So I mean that. So yeah, that that's just just to just to add it in there with Eddie Murphy. There, it's just he's this is this is you know one of the best things that he's done. This is where he keeps mm-hmm. getting them checks, as it were. You know, this is where his his bread and butter is. He doesn't make a lot of good movies anymore. I mean, most of his movies are, are not very good anymore. Sorry to Eddie Murphy, but you know his films just do not perform very well anymore. And this is where he constantly goes back to and, and crushes it as these voice acting and mm-hmm. you know as Donkey Ear. It's an old reliable. That's why he keeps going back to it so often. Yep. The last character here is uh, Fiona. That's the last character I wanted to talk about is Fiona as the princess. You know, she's not your typical damsel in distress. You know, not like, not like they, they spoof on it in there where they spoof on like, you know, Cinderella and they spoof on Sleeping Beauty and, and stuff uh, or, or Snow White. But Fiona is, is not just locked in a tower. She's, she's a lot more than that. And she comes out swinging and she can hold her own in conversations with Shrek. She can hold her own in conversations with Donkey. And uh, then she she just also can hold her own against the Merry Men and, and fight them all off mm-hmm. and like really, you know, like crush them. It's pretty great there. <laughs> love her. Love her. I love her character. I love that she's not the typical dancer in distress. I love Cameron Diaz as well. Again, one of the few movies that I would not recast one person. 
and I just don't see anybody else playing these characters. Um, and this was Cameron Diaz at the height of her power. <laughs> yeah. Cameron Diaz is Cameron Diaz from like '98 to like 2002 was just everywhere. Um, yeah. And I think she's really good. She's she's really really good. And again, the chemistry between those four main voice actors, amazing. And I know like the in the in the future films, they get into some more of the other characters, like the side characters and stuff, and they introduce other characters as well. But besides, so now that we've established that the gingerbread man is the best side character in the entire series because he's just the best, besides the gingerbread man, which is my favorite, what other side characters do you like? There, there's the, a bunch. I love the wolf. The wolf, the big guy. I love wolf. the wolf. The wolf becomes um so much fun in 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 the sequels. Um, so the wolf would be one of my picks, and then the ugly stepsister. Uh, <laughs> who's introduced in Shrek 2, who's a trans character. Love that character. Love that yeah. character because I think the first time we meet her, I think it's in a bar and I, I think Fiona's dad is like, oh, hey, gorgeous, whatever, and turns around as this trans character, ugly stepsister. And I'm like, yes, and she's so funny. Um, so those two are some of my favorites, but I agree with you. Gingerbread Man is my favorite, just like you. Yeah, and he's then I would rank favorite. Wolf and Ugly Stepsister. I, I love the Three Little Pigs just because of the accent. I think the voice is really funny on there. Like the super, <laughs> super Dutch, like overly stereotypical Dutch accent is hilarious. I like Pinocchio because they, especially in the second one, because he keeps like, there's a couple of great scenes in there with Pinocchio. And then obviously Puss in Boots is like just fantastic. Puss in Boots is iconic. You know, that's why he has his own spinoff movie and a TV series. And there's now a sequel coming out next year as well for him. So, you know, Antonio Bandera is just crushing it. as. Puss oh, Boots. and I forgot. She is iconic as she's only in the second one. The fairy godmother. Mm. Voice. I mean, come on. Voiced by Julie Andrews. That was Julie Andrews last singing role because she lost her voice. It's like, mm. I... Iconic, and that's still the best cover of "I Need a Hero" ever. <laughs> I haven't seen those ones in, in quite some time. So, like, I mean, there's so many great characters in the future ones, but like, they're not developed in this. But that they, they definitely open up the room for those characters to kind of come in there, and it's it's just great. I think the second one for me is better than the first. I'm not yeah. a fan of the third and the fourth, um, but the first first is iconic. The second one I think is just as good and iconic as the as the first one. Yeah. Um, now this film has been described as the anti-Disney film. I've heard it described in different places as like, you know, anti-Disney because they wanted to compete and like say like we can do stuff differently from Disney. Do you think that's a fair comparison or, or is it the exact same thing that's just playing on, you know, just it's playing it up, but just doing slightly different twists? What do you think? I mean, I can understand why people call it the anti-Disney film. I don't necessarily think it's full on anti-Disney. It definitely throws jabs at disney with like things like this small world and 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 like the fairy tale book and the beginning at the end of the of the movie um i think it's it, it just it just does stuff that disney is not on brand for so yeah. i don't necessarily think it's anti-disney i just think it goes into a different direction that disney will never go into yeah, I think it's I think it more just like pokes fun at Disney. I don't think it's anti-Disney. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think it's the not not anti-Disney, but like I don't think it's the inverse of Disney. I don't think it's it's not breaking any ground in terms of like totally different in like in a different vein of that. I think it's I think it's very similar to a Disney film, except it makes fun. It's it's more self-aware 
you know, mm-hmm. meta and makes fun of themselves, makes fun of Disney, makes fun of themselves, makes fun of fairy tales and plays up those characters and twists the ideas of these fairy tale characters that we are well established with. It twists them and makes them quite different. So I thought that was really, especially one of the big things for me that makes it so it's like, if you say it's anti-Disney, then it's too nice to be anti-Disney. I mean, you think yeah. about, like, you know, because I mean, ultimately in the end, the th- one of the main themes of the film is, you know, be- being able to accept who you are and be accept, you know, accepting of, of who you are and, and where you want to be and like be happy with yourself. And what's more Disney than accepting who you are and being happy with that? I mean, that's that's one of the major themes in this. Exactly. Well, and it's also I, I, I think people also call it the anti-Disney film because it uses characters that Disney is known for. Yeah, you know, you have the the princesses and Sleeping Beauty and Pinocchio and those, you know, but those are not Disney properties because fairy tales are not owned by Disney. Um, so you know, it, it, I I can understand why people say that, but I don't I don't fully think it is. Yeah, that I'm in the same boat. I think it's I don't think that's a fair comparison. I think it it's too too nice to be anti Disney. You know, like the inverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now the the last thing to I want to look at here is is really the the legacy of this film. So this film is really important because it comes out in 2001 and 2001, 2002 is a great year for animated films because it adds for the very first time in a new Oscar to the Academy Awards. We're talking about adding Oscars and this does add the very first Oscar for the best animated feature film. Yep. Um, this is the first year it comes out and it's competing against Jimmy Neutron and Monsters Incorporated. So right off the bat, Jeffrey Katzenberg is like, hey, it's the showdown. We've got DreamWorks and we've got <laughs> Disney in the other corners. So we've got Disney, Pixar, and DreamWorks in opposite corners, pitted in the biggest award show in, movie, in, in movies. And it wins. Shrek wins the first ever Best Animated Feature Oscar. Yep. And score one for DreamWorks. Here comes the DreamWorks wins. Years down the line, we just get year after year after year of DreamWorks wins. You know, every they keep winning every single award every year after that. Right? That's what happens. DreamWorks wins all of them. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. They well, won the, all of them. You're the historian of Oscars. So what actually happens? Because that's not at all what happens. That's not at all what happens. You know, Disney and Pixar have the monopoly on the animated um Oscar race. Um, but before going into that, you know, I, this is I Shrek made history, obviously, because it won the first it's the first movie to win um, the animated Oscar. That category was introduced because the year before um, Toy Story 2 came out um, and Toy Story 2 for many people is considered the best Toy Story and probably one of the Pixar's best. And people were expecting it to be the first movie since Beauty and the Beast to get into picture. Um, and when it didn't, it had like the Dark Knight effect. Um, in 2008, um, they created this category for animated features. Um, so Shrek wins, but after that, it's all Disney and Pixar. We're going, it's been 20 years, um, 20 movies have won. And I believe 15 out of those 20 have been Disney or Pixar. Yeah. So they have the monopoly in this category for sure. Yeah. Like some of the, the, there's only a very few that haven't. And like the, the years that they lost, I think two out of the the only other two times they lost after this are just um they weren't that great in movies like cars lost but cars is yeah cars is not a good movie and then it lost two years ago to um spider-man into the spider-verse which Mm -hmm. 
was obviously going to win because that movie's incredible. And then and you, might, this year is going to lose to itself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Uh, and then it, it, the other year, it, I think it lost the following year too. Well, it wasn't nominated the following year, but you know, that was obviously uh spirit away, which is one of the you know most iconic animated films of all time now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just starts to set up this, this idea, this run of just great Disney you know, not great Disney, but uh, great animated features that are now competing to win awards. You know, we have this great thing and DreamWorks isn't done with their work. I mean, DreamWorks wasn't like, hey, we just made this one great movie. Let's make a couple sequels, but which they do. They make three more films, you know, Shrek 2, Shrek 3 and Shrek, what is it? Forever and Ever or something like that. Something uh, like that. I don't remember. Yeah. I, I hated the I, fourth I never, one. You know, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I've never seen the last Shrek. I mean, oh, it's I, bad. It's bad. Yeah. They also it's with, have, um, they bring in Rumpelstiltskin. It's bad. Oh, yeah. What, what do you know? Um, and then they have uh, two They have two spinoffs, including, uh, you know, the both Puss in Boots uh, and Puss in Boots 2, the new one that's coming out next year. Mm-hmm. There's a spinoff. There's a Puss in Boots TV show. There's two TV movies that came out also. Like, I think one about Christmas and... And another one as well, a Halloween episode where I think they get the ghost of Farquaad comes back and haunts yep. them. Uh, definitely didn't see any of those. Uh, I Which is thought- the, the basis. So you've been to Universal. Have you done the Shrek ride in Universal? I don't think I hit the Shrek ride up. No, so that the the Halloween Lord Farquaad thing, that's the base uh, the basis for the Shrek 4D in Universal. Well, when we go back, because uh, we're going this year we'll go we'll go in on the three Shrek months ride. we'll be there in three months we'll, steve we'll, we'll let you guys we'll, we'll inform everybody about how our how the shrek ride is at universal when we go back yeah it's really oh, fun excited for that trip and that uh that those couple podcasts will record from from universal but beyond that uh dreamworks does they they're not done here they they they're not done with they're not a one-trick pony with when it comes to just shrek they also come out and they release you know iconic movies like madagascar and their sequels mm-hmm. and then also kung fu panda and that wildly successful franchise and how to train your dragon and trolls. Like these movies are just really, really successful comp- competitors for uh, against, you know, Disney and, and they're, they're very, very successful here. And Shrek wasn't the only Oscar they won for animated feature. They also won for Wallace and Gromit um, a few years later. Um, so DreamWorks has, <laughs> out of the five animated awards that Disney hasn't won, DreamWorks has two of them. Yeah. Um, so that's good. Um, yeah, I think they're great. I think DreamWorks, I think DreamWorks, when they're good, they're good. Yeah. When they're really when they're good, they're really good. I love how to train your dragon. I think as a whole, as 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 a franchise, I think it's better than Shrek, because I think Shrek three and four are a miss. But um how to train your dragon, I think, is really underrated. And it sucks that when it was nominated for the Oscar, it was just against powerhouses that it wasn't going to win. But mm-hmm. How to Train Your Dragon are really good. I think DreamWorks is good. And just something a little, uh, another thing about Shrek, you know, I love animation and I love animated movies, but Shrek was also nominated for a screenplay Oscar. Yeah. You know, yeah. Best about, animated adapted screenplay. Yeah. yeah. That's adapted screenplay. We're talking about an animated movie. It's the first animated movie nominated for a screenplay award. It's one of only two that have been nominated for a screenplay. The other being, of course, Toy Story 3. Um, so, you know, when you have animated movies being nominated outside of their respective categories, you know they're good. And I think that's great. I love when we get animated movies. Granted, we've only had three. Um, but we get animated movies not only nominated in animation, but also in Best Picture. 
and screenplay and they get scores and song and and it shows that animation is a valid form of storytelling and it should be respected outside of their only category which is why i was really excited about parasite last year because it should be respected apart from international film yeah i mean it's it's a really interesting turn we're just starting to see a lot more animated films being taken seriously showing more story and we're seeing you know some adult films being made like more you know adult themed you know animation's not just for kids and Mm -hmm. you know this obviously is made for kids but they're they're the legacy of this is kind of in the idea of the academy award for animated feature is kind of setting up the idea that you can make good stories outside of live action now that too i mean thinking about animated films there's a lot of work that goes into it and this film just to just to sort of wrap it up on on this um this film pushes the animation of films very far this is one of the most at the time it came out it had some of the best animation of any film um, because they had to do a lot of different work with the animation of the body. Shrek's body had a lot more muscle uh, work in it. Um, They did animation of donkey's fur had was a a very advanced system. They said uh, in the creation of this, they had to do more work in more settings than any other film that's ever come out before this. Like the number of different settings that they had to animate and design was incredible. You know, there's over a hundred, there's over 1200 different shots that are set up in this. Something that you don't think about with animated movies. You don't think about all the work that goes into creating these, but it's absolutely incredible. The different places and the different worlds and different areas it takes place in are more than any other animated film up to this point. Mm-hmm. And it, it lays the groundwork for animation, 3d animation going forward. You're not going to see very many successful, uh, like classic styles today. It's all about. 3d animation that's what you're going to find and this really sets the groundwork for how to do it even bigger and better absolutely um i also know the dragon took a lot of work yeah um as well um yeah it's just it's just so good animation is just so good that's one of the few things i love about disney plus the docuseries on animation they're just so fun how to how it takes years because i think an animated movie takes usually four to six years to be made Mm. um because it's a lot it's frame you're animating frame by frame by frame and you know this you know what frames are and and all of this what it takes to make this kind of movie so yeah it's difficult yeah shrek broke ground and like you said it looks really good i watch it on my tv and it just looks good it had 20 years in it hasn't aged um it looks really really good it looks incredible on my on my screen. It look, I was really impressed. I'm like, wait, did they retouch this? Did they update it? No, it's exactly the way it was. It, when they it haven't done a, a remastered. It looks exactly. It it looks like they did. It looks great. Um, and with that, it's streaming currently on Hulu. You can check out this and all of the other ones. All the other Shrek films, I believe, are streaming on Hulu right now. So if you have Hulu, check it out. Uh, if not, don't check it out. Find check it out from your local library. Don't forget that those actually exist, and you can get movies for free from there. <laughs> <laughs> what are libraries anymore i don't know they're probably closed but anyway uh check it out it's really great uh thank you so much for listening this week uh we'll be back next week with our takes on the falcon and the winter soldier and godzilla versus kong seeing that in theaters we're pretty excited about that have a great week thanks so much for listening see you later see ya